Hey kids, welcome to another episode of Say Your Truth. This episode is yet another that was recorded at the Hutton and Smith third anniversary party. I'd like to give a special thanks to Joel and Melanie for the usage of their offices for the purposes of recording this show. In this episode, Chris Arndt will be our guest, and let's just jump into it. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Say Your Truth Show. I'm your host, Brian Bender. Joining me this episode is Chris Arndt. Chris is the president of the Barley Mob Brewers of Chattanooga. He is a BJCP certified judge. Chris, did I miss any of your bona fides? That ought to cover it. Thanks for having me, Brian. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Chris also, I would say, is... Probably somebody I consider a, my beer mentor in a lot of ways. Helped me out a lot through my journey back when I was just kind of drinking warm, fizzy, yellow things. And uh, I actually just, remember one of your first creations where you had you had brewed a, a, a Kolsch, but used a Belgian yeast on it, and you hated it, and I loved it, and asked you, and encouraged you to enter the beer in a competition. That's right. <laughs> Uh, told me I would win a medal, and I did. So that yeah. was kind of showed me, well, showed me I could have some confidence in his opinion, and just it was really, uh, like I say, kind of been a good, a good mentor, a good um, somebody to to really explore a lot of these beers with. Uh, really refined palate, a great knowledge. I'd say you probably know styles as well as just about anybody I've drank a beer with. Well, I appreciate so, that. So, Chris. What did you bring? What is your flavor? Well, I know you typically want to focus on one beer, and I changed it up a little bit and focused on a style of beer, Double Bock, which is one of those, if you limited, told me I could only have one style of beer for the rest of my life, this would probably be in top two or three consideration for me. Uh, it is, the, to me, the quintessential malty beer. Mm. Um so I've got two examples of that, the Pauliner Salvatore and the Iyengar Celebrator. Um, so we'll go ahead and crack yes, both, both of those uh, open here. Both fine beers that I'm sure we've both had many times, but we'll get a fresh fresh look at them here. So we're going to start with the uh, Pauliner. Yes. And I think this the one thing this will give us a good chance to do is it'll show really a, where you'll have two very classic examples of a beer that are pretty stylistically different. As I recall, both of these beers have some pretty distinct differences. Yes, and it'll be it's obvious upon pouring the differences in the beer, mm-hmm. uh, but they're both listed as one of the reference beers in the BJCP guidelines as for this style of beer, but you can instantly pick up the malt complexity. It's just the very first thing you pick up, you get some of that, you know, toasty depth of the malt character right off the bat. This is what I always, that is the exact term I always think of when I think of, uh, especially a German beer, German lager, mm-hmm. especially, is I want toast. I want that toastiness. And yeah. it's, it's it's different than breadiness. It's It's got a little bit of that, almost what it smells like when the toaster's running in the morning. Right. And it's, and then you get the added bonus if you get to drink the uh, 
deliciousness as well. But that that aroma of that toasted malt is just incredibly inviting. And this one, of course, it's also, you know, kind of a, a nice deep amber in color. I mean, this, this Molitor is damn near orange. Yeah. Really kind of bright for yeah. what you would think for, because these are bigger beers. The Molitor's what, the sevens, I think, yeah. Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head, but they're both they're both up there. Let's see if it says on the bottle here. This is great. Seven point nine, so almost yeah. eight for the Polander. And the Celebrator's six seven. Yeah. Nice and clear. A lot of sweetness in the flavor. But it doesn't drink sweet. It's not cloying. It's not heavy on the palate. No, it dries out quite nicely for a near eight percent beer. Mm-hmm. And it's got just enough hop in there. That, again, the classic German hops, they just kind of balance out that malt and, and keep it from getting too sweet on the palate. Now, what is it specifically about? Because I know this is a style that you that you gravitate towards. Is there something specific that really puts it in your wheelhouse that you can put your finger on? It's always been, you know, when, when people describe a beer as malty, mm. to me, this epitomizes a malty beer. And it's not... You just that you've got just the sweetness, but there's a complexity and a layering of the malt flavor that you get from this beer. And the grain bills are very generally very simple. It's normally pretty much just Munich malt. If you're brewing it yourself on a, on a homebrew level, you might put some Elodoinin malt in there. But most of the time, it's straight Munich. Yeah. And, yeah. and to get this complexity of flavor from just one, one type of malt, it, to me, is pretty impressive. And also, traditionally, it was always brewed with a double or triple decoction. Mm. And I've done done that myself just to, have, to say I have done it. So it's a, to brew it, the skill in doing so to me has always been fairly impressive. Yeah, I agree. Now, do you want to explain decoction a little bit? Sure. Decoction is basically if you're, when you're doing a brew, you, you put your grains into heated water at a particular temperature. Uh, and then basically, for most brews, you're going to let that, just sit for a period of time. With the decoction, you're going to pull a portion of that, what we call a mash, off and put it in a separate kettle and bring that to a boil and add it back into the main batch, raising the temperature. And that boiling increases the malt complexity of the beer without adding, without getting too heavy or cloying or full on the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and I've always felt without any real evidence to back it up, but I've always felt like you can really kind of deliver some of that, some of that melanoid or, or uh, I guess almost some of that toasty character from that, because if if you're not doing a full stir and that boil during the decoction, you're going to burn it. So you're, right. you're cooking it in a lot of ways. Right. And uh, it creates a lot of Maillard reactions. Yeah. Just similar like if what you I was put for. steak in a pan mm-hmm. and you're getting that browning reaction on the edge of the steak, that's a similar type reaction to what you're getting by doing the decoction. Now, you can shortcut some of that by just putting a little melodoinin malt, which has already had that effect, and it's got that kind of umami quality. If you put too much, you're going to get the soy sauce aspect right. of it, which is unpleasant. I think it's unpleasant anyway. I'm I sure, would you know, concur with that. It, it, it takes all taste, <laughs> but yeah, I would say that's generally not desirable. But yeah, this is a, it, just looking at it, too, it's, uh, it's a beautiful beer. It's got a nice... Really tight, dense, off-white head on it. Mm-hmm. It's had really nice retention. I've still got a head yeah. head on the sample. We is up on the sides of the glass beautifully. Yeah, nice and clear. It's a little cloudy in the glass, but now beautifully clear. 
is just a, you can see why this polliner is used as a classic example in, in the, at least in the BJCP guidelines. This is just a, a really nice sample. Just enough bitterness. Yeah, right. The hops kick in just enough. Mm-hmm. They get just a little bit of that classic German uh, noble hop with a little bit of spicy note in there. Just yeah. to make you aware there's some hops in the beer. Yeah, because almost, of course, there's exceptions to everything, but generally, when you're talking about even a malt forward beer, you're, you're going to have some semblance of hop character in there. And generally, that is just to kind of balance it out in, on your palate. Right. To prevent it from just becoming too sweet. And especially with this heavy malt is in this, these bigger beers, if you didn't have that hop, I think it would really kind of be a cloying sweet mess. Right. It'd be difficult to enjoy drinking a pint of this beer and we're as even at approaching eight percent and with the intense maltiness you could drink multiple pints of these probably hopefully while you're sitting at home and in, in your chair in front of the yeah. fireplace because you probably don't want to be doing a whole lot of strenuous activity after having a couple not the <laughs> not not the quote-unquote lawnmower beer that all the kids are talking about no, these days this is not a lawnmower beer this is a relaxing at the end of the evening beer yeah, I mean, this, to me, I mean, beer may or may not have a season. I'd say generally it really doesn't, but uh, when I think about this, I do think about that cool fall night right. or even a winter night, just sitting, in, you know, almost like you would a glass of scotch or something like that, sit, sitting inside and just sipping on it. Right, or sitting next to you know, your fire pit outside, you mm-hmm. know, doing some barbecue or something like that in the fall, you know, after watching football all day, perfect beer for that kind of evening. Yeah. Well, since we have this the uh, this other one here, this uh, I, I never know how to say this. Celebrator, celebrator, I, celebrator. Yeah, I don't think it meant they care how you say it. <laughs> I know generally, <laughs> if you see a an or at the end of a beer, it's generally going to be a doppelbock. I don't know where, how, why that tradition came about, but I'm not sure either. I'm sure the Germans probably, there's probably more than one tale to go along with that. I would assume so, yeah. And no. you, you can see on just pouring this beer how much darker it ends up coming out. It, almost brown in color, if, if not all the way brown. And even the head is, you know, where we have with the, the Pauliner beer, the head was an off-white. This is clearly a, a deep tan head on this particular beer. Oh, it's a stunning difference. Right. I, I mean, they you would never... You, you could never hold this up to somebody and say, you know, are these the same beer style? Very few people would say, sure, they are, with just on looking. It, right. Yeah, this this celebrator is almost, gosh, it's almost porter stout dark. Right. It, it's it's very dark for in, for a, a doppelbach. In fact, to the level where you know, if you're getting that in a, in a competition setting, you would almost take off a point for being a little bit out of the color range for the, the beer. But again just get that malt complexity and depth right on the nose as soon as you pour it. Yeah, this one has, you can even read that colors reflected in the head as well. It's a deeper tan, which I think you said too, but just, but the, the heads are very similar as far as they're dense, uh, long-lasting. A lot of small, tight bubbles. Mm-hmm. And again, the Eyinger the, the laces up the sides of the glass beautifully. And again, you just get that huge malt complexity Probably to me, the celebrator has got a little more level of complexity. You get a little, little bit of like the almost the meat quality mm-hmm. in this beer, that deep umami. Yes, from the Maillard reactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely get that too. Of course, all this makes sense when we look at the statistics. This beer is almost two points less. It's a six. What did you say? This was six, six, three, seven. So almost oh, 7%. six, seven. So a little less than, yeah. a little more than a, than a upper percent. But I don't get near the level of sweetness. No, in, in this a one, a little it's bit like, drier, like, almost a degree of a smoky finish to mm-hmm. some to some extent. Although there's no smoked malt or anything like that in it, it's entirely from the brewing process, which, again, this is a decocted beer, so I'm sure that, that boiling and probably the cracking of the grain during the boil is probably what's giving that smoky aspect to the beer. Yeah. Yeah, I would say both excellent beers for my palate. I much prefer the, the Celebrator. Right. And uh, actually, when I was getting ready to do this segment, I, I thought immediately of the, the Pauline or the Salvatore. To me, that always been kind of the go-to style. When I went to this, was looking at beers available in the local market. I saw the Celebrator there and said, "Well, that's always been a, a top-notch beer mm-hmm. as well. Let's just bring them both." And, and a great way of looking at the same style of beer from two very different approaches. Absolutely. But to me, it's also having these two here. It's really easy to see how. Even within a style, you can cater to somebody's tastes. Right. I mean, I have very distinct biases as far as I generally prefer a lower ABV beer to a higher one, things like that. So a lot of this just speaks to my preferences. If you have somebody that generally appreciates a higher gravity beer, imperial stouts, that sort of thing, well, they might gravitate to this to the uh, Salvatore because it has some of those characteristics. It has some of that sweetness. Even uh, expresses a little bit of that, a little bit of alcohol in it as well. Right. And you can definitely tell there's a difference in the alcohol level in these two beers just by drinking them yeah. without even looking at the statistics in the bottle. So this, to me, is a, is a really good example of having variety within a style. And I often will talk to, to people about the idea that a lot of people come to you and say they don't like beer. And that may be true. But in general, I find that to be a, a really unlikely statement because there's just so much variety in beer it would be hard for me to believe that somebody i couldn't find something that someone would like right the flavor profiles are so amazingly different even if someone says i don't like ipa sure you know you may not like the traditional west coast ipa but perhaps a new england ipa or a milkshake ipa mm-hmm. there's just so many different ways you can take the four basic ingredients of beer and get to the finished product. Yeah, absolutely. So, but this is just a good example, even within a style, the variety that you can have. And I think Doppelbach does give you, you know, and, and I'm not a, especially on this show, I don't want to be a slave to style. It's really about what you like and what you enjoy. But if we're sitting here talking about it, this is a style that does have some variety or have some, some pretty wide ranges of, you know, ABV color. I mean, I think there's classifications for a light and a dark right. color Doppelbach, so, which we've got examples of here. And these are great, great, great beers. I am in agreement with you. I would probably weigh in on the, the Celebrator myself. And that's, I, I lean a little towards that myself. One, to me, it's a little a little drier. You could probably drink a little bit more of the Celebrator um, than the, the Salvator. But I'm not going to turn down either one if you're going to offer to buy me one. So no, no, I can't see that I would either. Really excellent beers. So if you happen to be visiting one of the local beer stores, you can always tell the Celebrator because it comes with a commemorative plastic goat 
That's uh, right. Go to the ornament st- on each bottle. Yep, that is historically. I don't know how they probably always had that or had for right. a long time. I know I've always seen it uh, on I've there. I've always seen it on there as well. And and of course, Bach in German also means goat. Mm. And again, there's a variety of stories of, of how Bach beer and became to be from the word for goat. They are. You'll see many of Bach beers feature a goat somewhere on the bottle, and of course, Celebrator has that and has the plastic goat on a string on each bottle. Yeah, so so you kind of are you kind of on my side though. You you like the Celebrator a little better, you think? Or? I'm a little bit more toward the Celebrator. It's slightly lower alcohol, and it, it drinks. It doesn't. The, the Salvatore has just a little bit of the alcohol warmth. Mm-hmm. Not quite at the end, just a little bit before you get to the finish of the yeah. beer. I think the Celebrator has a little bit more of the malt complexity. They're both complex beers. But to me, the Celebrator probably has just one more layer of malt depth that Salvatore does not. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, there's just a little bit of it. It, it, it makes sense. It's not out of place, but I, I think it's... At least at what I'm perceiving is the sweetness in the Salvatore that I is is pushing me towards the other. This one is it's got the the Celebrator has a nice as you say the nice rich complex malt, but it's finishing nice and dry. It doesn't have some of that that sweetness on the palate as the other. Right when it finishes, you know it it, it takes the almost kind of a ethereal smoky quality kind of lifts the sweetness off the palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that may be. Part of it too, because I am getting some of that kind of smokiness you're talking about for sure. I mean, that's a, a unusual a little bit in this, and maybe right. not even really expected, but it's welcome for me. Okay, and it's not 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 in any way like a smoked beer, but it does have that reminiscent of, of smoke or something like a grilled meat kind of quality mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of let you said your piece on why you love it. I don't have, this would not, I don't think I would describe it as, as one of my favorite styles, but it's a real good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm definitely on board with it. I um, would, yeah, I would, this is one of my favorite styles. It's one I've brewed, so I haven't actually done it in about you know, three or four years, brewed one, and wow. so probably need to go back and, and pull out the old recipe. Actually, the last beer I did, I named after my dad, who had passed away several years before, and it meddled uh, multiple times and is my highest scoring beer ever one of the few i submitted to nationals i scored like a 46 in the rounds but wow. somehow did not advance to the to the final judging round sure and that does happen sometimes it does it does it's uh you know so one of these days i'll have to maybe do a show kind of specifically about judging and the judging process and go into that but that's uh, that'll turn this show into a little lengthier than than i intended right. at this point but well uh i appreciate you bringing these to me they are delicious and i've enjoyed them well again thanks uh, thanks for inviting me on and I'd be happy to come back with another one in do the you, future do you want to say anything about the barley mob sure uh, if anybody's interested in in just drinking craft beer enjoy different styles of beer different kinds of beer and you think you know hey what would it take to make this? Come out to one of our meetings. We uh, meet the third Tuesday of every month. We try and rotate around town to support the uh, craft beer community here in the city. Come to one of our meetings. Our members bring beers. You can sample them. When you join the club, you get on our email list. A lot of our members will say, hey, I'm brewing today if anybody wants to come watch. 
that's a good way to kind of learn, see how somebody else does something. And we do a lot of things to support brewing in terms of education, bulk grain buys, uh, sharing of ingredients. If you, you, you plan to do something and thought you had Hallertau hops and you realized I don't, you can do a shout out and somebody's probably got some in their freezer. And also we've tried to really start giving back to our community, picked up Chattanooga Food Bank sort of as one of our charitable groups we've been supporting. We were at Maine by 24 last year, planned to be back this year, and raised close to $800 to support the food bank by uh, serving our beers at that event. So you can also see us around town at other beer festivals. The mob's normally going to be there serving our beers. So come check us out. I know we'll be at Oktoberfest. We'll probably do another event for Learn to Homebrew Day uh, later on in the fall at the market. But we're, we'd love to have you. If you're interested in beer or brewing, come on out. Check us out. We're check us out our Facebook page. We're on there and on the web. So we'd yeah, love easy, to have anybody else. Easy to find barleymob.com on the web, facebook.com slash barleymob on Facebook. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I will kind of reiterate some of that. We, I don't know when this episode is going to be released, but generally most parts of the year, there's you're not too far away from some event that the, that the mob will be at. So just go to those pages and, and have a look out. Well, thanks, Chris, for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks everybody at home for listening and we'll see you next time again thanks brian well that'll do it for this show everybody i'd like to give thanks to riverside wine and spirits for their help in acquiring the fine libations that we've tasted in this show and i'd also like to give great thanks to the kids over at brew chat for their help as well if you'd like to get a hold of us you can shoot us an email at sayyourtruthshow at gmail.com and you can always follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Brew Truth. All one word, Brew Truth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>